Well, to know something, you need to be able to remember it, uh, like someone's name. We've probably all had those awkward moments uh, forgetting someone's name. You were introduced to them. You did know their name, but it's gone. And so the person you're talking to has become mate uh, or some other general term. But the whole time they are calling you by your name and it's starting to get a bit embarrassing. And if one of your friends comes and joins the conversation and you've got to introduce them to your mate, you're not quite sure what you're going to say. To know something, you need to be able to remember it. Of course, this is one of the devastating things about Alzheimer's or dementia, isn't it? Our loved ones who once knew you, but slowly they forget and they don't know you. Uh, one of my older relatives is steadily getting worse. Uh, my mum lives with her to look after her. And uh, recently, one of my uncles uh, went and stayed with my mum. And my older relative has met my uncle several times, uh, even stayed at his house a couple of years ago. But this time around, she didn't know him at all. And the whole time my uncle was there, she made life terrible. Uh, she was asking my mum why this strange man was in her house and when is he going to leave? And all in front of my uncle. It was awkward. It was sad. Because to know something or someone, you need to be able to remember it. Now, if you were to start to lose your memory and your knowledge of things, what's the last thing you'd want to forget? Your family? Your name? This morning we're starting a new series in the book of 2 Peter, and here we learn that the absolute last thing you want to forget is your knowledge of Jesus. There's nothing more precious, nothing more valuable, nothing more influential, nothing more life-changing than your knowledge of Jesus. But to know something, you need to be able to remember it. And 2 Peter was written to help us to remember Jesus. So let's have a look. Uh, in the opening verses of uh, chapter 1, Peter wants to stress uh, that our knowledge, through our knowledge of Christ, we've got everything that we need. Everything we need through our knowledge of Jesus. Uh, chapter 1, and I'll start from verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Knowing Jesus is to be given everything you need for life and godliness. Not just a few things that might help, but everything we need. What to live for, how to negotiate life, what's important in life, how to live life, how to have eternal life. We've been given everything we need for all of it through our knowledge of Christ Jesus. Now, knowing the manager might help you uh, get what you need to find out about that job that's coming up. Knowing a groupie might get you backstage with that band. But knowing Jesus is to be given everything you need for life and godliness because our knowledge of Jesus unlocks life for us. In 2 Peter, there's three things in particular that we know about Jesus. One, that he's Lord. Two, that he's already cleansed us from our sins. And three, he's coming back to judge the wicked and to save his people. Now, they're very important things we know about Jesus, so I'll repeat them. One, Christ is Lord, which means he has to be obeyed. Two, he's already cleansed us of our sins. So we know that sin is wrong and disgusting and we don't want to live in sin anymore. And three, he's coming back to judge the wicked and to save his people. And so if you know these things, then you have life 
unlocked for you because you know that the way to live is to be godly. But our knowledge of Jesus giving us everything we need for godliness is more than just now we know that we're meant to be godly. It's that our knowledge of Jesus enables us to be godly. Because knowledge of Jesus is more than just knowing stuff about him. It's actually knowing him. Now I know stuff about Barack Obama, but I don't actually know him, do I? Our knowledge of Jesus is to actually know him. It's to have Christ himself share himself with us. And so we know the truth about Christ and he shares himself with us so that we can be godly. Have a look at verse 4. Is this echoing or is it just me, the microphone? No, it's not echoing? Okay, great. Verse 4. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, there's a little bit of strange language in that verse, isn't there? Particularly the bit about participating in the divine nature. Uh, Peter's not saying that we become gods. Uh, No, what he's saying is that our knowledge of Jesus is deeply intimate. We truly know God. We share with him in his nature, and so we become like him. Elsewhere in the New Testament, we read this sort of language when God speaks of living within us by his spirit. He has shared himself with us. And so we participate in the divine nature in that we know Christ intimately and we become like him in godliness. And that's just ridiculous. If we can catch even a glimpse of what's being said here, if we truly believe these things, then our knowledge of Christ will be very effective. It'll change us because we want to be godly. Because we know the Lord Jesus. We've been given his spirit. We share in God's nature. We've been cleansed from our sins. We know that Christ's ways, they're good and they're right. We've been given the knowledge of Christ. And through our knowledge of Christ, we've been given everything we need for a life of godliness. We're the people who want to be godly. Now, I'm not a gardener. I don't really know anything about plants and gardens. But if I was wanting to plant a garden, now I'm not, okay, so just in case you're a garden expert, don't come rushing up to me over morning tea and tell me how to do it. Uh, this is just an illustration. Okay? I really am not into gardening. Uh, but if, if I was wanting to plant a garden and a gardener gave me everything I need to do it, gave me all the right plants, uh, where to plant them, which plants to put where, when to plant them, gave me all the right fertilisers, all the right tools, if I want to plant a garden and someone gives me everything I need to plant a garden, then I go and plant my garden. Now, as Christians, we're the people who want to be godly. And God has given us everything we need for godliness, and so we make every effort to be godly. Which makes verse 5 onwards just wonderful reading. Because here, Peter fleshes out for us what a life of godliness looks like. In verses 5 to 7, what we see is what we're to be making every effort to be like. Have a look, verse 5. For this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and a goodness knowledge, and a knowledge self-control, and a self-control perseverance, and a perseverance godliness, and a godliness brotherly kindness, and a brotherly kindness love. Now they are exciting verses. But if as you read those verses you feel overwhelmed, 
how could I possibly be all those things? If you feel like that, you need to remember verses 1 to 4. That we've been given everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Jesus. We know Christ. We've been given his spirit. And so far from being overwhelming verses, these are exciting verses. Uh, To return to my gardening illustration, I want to plant a garden. Someone's given me everything I need to plant my garden. I'm just looking for the opportunity to do my gardening. We want to be godly. God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. We're just looking for the opportunity to go and be godly. But more than just looking for the opportunity, beginning of verse 5, we're to be making every effort, doing our best, trying as hard as possible, exerting ourselves to be godly. So I don't know which of the seven things that Peter mentions in verses 5 to 7, which one's most relevant to you. Uh, Perhaps there's one that hits the mark for you where you're at at the moment. Uh, Maybe self-control is an area to be working on in terms of taking control of yourself and so living for other people and not being selfish. Or Maybe brotherly kindness. Maybe you've cluttered up your life so much you've got no time to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ to help them keep trusting in Jesus. I'm not sure which one or which ones are most applicable to you, but right here... Right now is the time to take stock, be honest, and apply ourselves to be making every effort to have these things in increasing measure because we want to, because Christ has cleansed us of our sin, because through our knowledge of him we've got everything we need for godliness. We know him, we want to be like him, we have his spirit, and so we are making every effort to grow in godliness. And anyway, the alternative is ugly and terrible. If we're not growing in godliness, then we're going to be slack and unproductive for the kingdom of God and basically useless to him. Have a look at verse 8. This is not what we want. Verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine getting to the last day, standing there in front of your Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and he looks you in the eye. He assesses your life in his service. And he pauses. And then he says, you are unproductive, ineffective, useless for my kingdom. Now, that's the last thing we want, isn't it? We know the Lord Jesus. We want to live for him. We want to be abounding in godliness. We want to be productive and effective, living for Jesus more and more. So why is it that sometimes that's not the case for us? Why is it that sometimes we're reluctant to work at being godly? Maybe even as we've been looking at these verses... You found it all a bit too hard to swallow, all this talk of us being given everything we need for life and godliness, but you don't feel like that's true because you don't feel like you've been given the drive to put this into practice. You find you're not motivated to be growing in godliness. When will I be given that? Well, it's just that that's not true. You do have the motivation. You have been given it. It's just that you've forgotten it. 
and that's dangerous. The reason we stagnate and stop growing in godliness, Peter says it's because we forget Jesus and what he's done for us. Have a look, verse 9. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. If we're stale as a Christian, not growing in godliness, it's because we've forgotten Jesus and that he's cleansed us from our sins. We've become blind to the destructiveness and the foulness of sin. We've forgotten that Christ's death has cleansed us from the disgustingness of sin, and so we become content to live with sin. And in this spiritual stupor, we come to some really dumb conclusions. We can start to think that there are other things more important than godliness. And so instead of making every effort to be godly, we find ourselves devoting our energies into our homes or our finances or the holidays or the job or the studies. And our efforts for godliness take a back seat. Or when we forget Jesus and his cleansing of our sin, we can come to the conclusion that godliness doesn't matter that much. And so after a time, we just can't be bothered. We don't work at our godliness because we're lazy. We kind of know it's important, but we easily give in to selfishness. Now, brothers and sisters, Christ died for us to cleanse us from our past sins. Through our knowledge of Jesus, we've been given everything we need for a life of godliness. So let's make every effort. Let's exert ourselves. Let's do all that we can to add to our faith goodness and to goodness self-control. Let's push ourselves to live out our knowledge of Jesus. Because in doing so, we'll continue as his faithful servants to the end, and he'll richly welcome us into his eternal kingdom. Have a look, verse 10. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you'll never fall, and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Imagine getting to the last day standing there in front of your beloved Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and he looks you in the eye, assesses your life in his service. He pauses. And then he shouts out so that everyone can hear, look everyone, here's my good and faithful servant. And then he looks you in the eye and he says, well done. A rich welcome into the eternal kingdom. That's what's at stake here. To stumble and fall is to not be welcomed at all into Christ's kingdom. More of that next week. Here, Peter's main concern is that we do receive a rich welcome into the kingdom of God. And so we need to stay Christian. We need to keep our faith in the Lord Jesus. We need to remember Christ. And Peter's saying here that we do that by growing in godliness. And we've been given everything we need for this through our knowledge of Jesus. But like we saw right at the beginning, to know something, you need to be able to remember it. And the stakes don't get any higher than remembering Christ, which is why Peter's so keen that his readers will remember their knowledge of Christ. Have a look at verse 12. Look at how hard Pete wants, Peter wants people to remember. Verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I'll soon put it aside 
as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Peter really wants them to remember, doesn't he? Verse 12, he'll always remind them of these things. Verse 13, it's right for him to refresh their memories as long as he lives. Verse 15, he'll make every effort so that even after he dies, they'll be able to remember these things. Our knowledge of Jesus is so important, but to know something, you need to be able to remember it. And the easiest way to remember is to be reminded, which makes reading our Bibles... Such a wonderfully rich thing to do. Because what better way is there to be reminded of Christ than to read the word of God about him? That's why we're committed to church. It's why we're committed to to growth groups. It's why we're committed to reading the scriptures with one or two other people. It's why we're committed to personally opening the Bible for ourselves. We're the people who eat, breathe and sleep the Bible because we always need to be able to remember Jesus. As Christians, reading our Bibles, it's our lifeblood. A little like food. Uh, On average, these figures are rough, okay, ballpark, but they're, they're pretty right. If you're an average adult, then in the last 10 years, you've eaten 900 kilograms of meat, 900 kilograms of flour and cereals, 2.7 tonnes of dairy products. 3.2 tonnes of fruit and vegetables. If we piled up what we've eaten in the last decade, it would fill several truckloads. And yet, a few of us here are already peckish for some morning tea, and we're all going to go hungry for lunch. But there's nothing wrong with this, is there? It's just that no matter how much we've eaten before, we always need food. Just like no matter how much we've read the scriptures before, no matter how much we know of Christ already, we always need remembering of our knowledge of Jesus. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, you know Jesus, you know the Bible, you don't need all this reading our Bible stuff, but remember verse 12. I'll always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Veterans of the Christian walk, mature, wise, firmly established in the truth Christians, even they always need reminding. We all need To be routinely reading the word of God because it's so easy to forget. It's scary how quickly we can lose sight of the big picture. It's frightening how easily we can make dumb decisions that drift us away from Christ. So today, this week, this month, will you make the effort to regularly sit down, open your Bible and read it? Will you apply yourself to understand it? Will you honestly decide to live by it? What will you do to make sure you're remembering Jesus? Who are the other people you'll read the scriptures with to remind them? And then will you make every effort to live out your knowledge of Christ? To be growing in godliness? Will you put other things on hold, sacrifice other things, not get around to other things, decide not to do other things so that you can devote yourself and do whatever it takes to be growing in godliness? Because this is how we stay Christian. This is how we keep our faith in the Lord Jesus. This is how we remember him and so receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ our Lord.
Friends, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we know your Son, truly know him, being given your Spirit. We know the truth about him so that by your power we can be like him. We will be growing in godliness. And so we pray, Father, that that is exactly what would happen. Stir our hearts, remind us again of the the wonder and the goodness that we know the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might make every effort to live a life of increasing godliness, that we might stand firm as your people and receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of your Son. And Father, we ask this, that our lives today, tomorrow and every day, and at the end when your Son returns, that our lives would be to the praise, to the glory of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And so it's in his name we ask these things. Amen.